This Cap Times podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colaguard. Learn more at exactsciences.com. Welcome to On the Cover, a weekly Mad Splainers feature. I'm podcast producer Natalie Yar, and each week I sit down with the reporter behind our latest cover story to find out why it matters. Today I'm here with Cap Times Metro reporter Nicholas Garten, who's been digging into the disproportionate mental and emotional toll the COVID 19 pandemic is taking on Black communities. Nick, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Natalie. So data has revealed that African-Americans are contracting and dying from COVID-19 at disproportionately high rates. But we haven't heard as much about the toll the virus has taken on African-Americans' mental health. Why did you choose to explore that aspect of this pandemic? Well, at first, I just wanted to explore all of the, you know, disproportionalities and racism and, you know, legacy things that go on in terms of health care and why so many more Black people are dying from this virus. But as I started talking with my sources and calling people up, they really were talking about mental health and how it felt in the Black community and how coming out of the shadows with emotional issues and fears and anxieties plays into not going to the doctor if you do have an issue or doctors waiting until, you know, the issue's too bad to even do anything. And those kind of, the anxieties about that and just about what's going on overall sort of contributes to the disproportionate percentage we see in Black deaths. And what are some of the reasons that African Americans might be disproportionately anxious or upset during this pandemic? Well, I think that it's a lot of different stressors over many different levels, whether it's housing situations where a lot of people, especially in Milwaukee, sort of live on top of one another and live with, you know, elderly family members or kids and don't have a place that they can quarantine. And so it's just this constant battering of fears about that. There's economic insecurity. You know, a lot of people have lost their jobs and even going into this, you know, Black unemployment was already an issue. And now people feel this pressure, especially in the Black community, to go out and take these essential job roles, you know, at the grocery store or stocking someplace or working in healthcare that puts people at risk for COVID. So those are the things that are sort of related to COVID. But then overall, Going to the doctor, even as a as a black man myself, you know, I've experienced the way that a doctor won't either take things seriously that I'm talking about, won't think that I'll understand what they're talking about, and those sorts of things. Uh, Sabrina Madison, who I talked to for this, who runs the Progress Center for Black Women, she told a story about how she took a white girlfriend of hers to the doctor And the doctor spoke to her white friend the entire time in a way that was completely different than he or she had previously been talking to Sabrina. And I think that that is a profound 
statement on what the experience is like going to the doctor as a black person. And in your story, you explained that even things like the anti-shutdown protests or the idea of wearing masks could also spark anxiety for folks in the African-American community. Can you explain those a little bit? Yeah, when I talked to Dr. Alvin Thomas from UW-Madison, the first thing that he talked about was the jogger in Georgia who was shot to death, I think, in February. And the video of that was just released a a week or two ago. Ahmaud Arbery. Yeah, yeah. And he was talking about the concept of wearing masks and being in public, walking through neighborhoods. He likened it to Trayvon Martin having a hoodie. He said that as a Black person out there masked and, you know, all dressed up around your face, you notice the glances and the stares and even if they're not real, you feel like they're real. And just, you know, it's easy to relate to that going different places before this pandemic, you know, going to stores, different things, the way that clerks or employees ask you if you need help when they walked by three white people in your same aisle and didn't ask them if they needed help. Stuff like that matters in terms of these these anxieties and fears. And then just personally, as Dr. Thomas and I were talking, I was like, look at the pictures of these protesters, like in Brookfield, like on the Capitol Square. Every one of them looks like the dude who called me the N-word when I was a kid growing up. And isn't it jarring, you know, as a black man to see that that's the people who are like, let's go out and protest. You wrote in your story about the fact that we were often seeing images of people heavily armed and with certain types of flags. Yeah, in Brookfield, we saw a full-blown Confederate flag. And, you know, in Michigan, we saw people storming the Capitol building against police with, you know, basically AR-15s. And I just think that that is so... um, It's so scary to watch... And I guess the word we kept coming back to was jarring. It it just sort of jars your senses to see that out in the open like that. And you explained in your story that many of these fears are really well-founded, that they're drawn from years of racist treatment in the medical and legal systems. Yeah. From like 1938 till 1972, there were what was called the Tuskegee experiments and just different things where they did a lot of experimental medical procedures, for lack of better words, on Black men and women. Black women in particular have been objectified medically over years, having things like forced hysterectomies, having their ovaries removed, things like that. And so when your grandparents' generation faced those things, The residual effect is that they get passed down sort of emotionally and in a very intangible way from generation to generation. And it becomes almost like an urban legend that's real, if that makes any sense. And there are a lot of urban myth and urban legend type things in the Black community today that totally have their root and basis in fact. And so it contributes to this wider spread, 
distrust of the mainstream media, distrust of just people in general, distrust of like, you know, white people out in public, of doctors, all sorts of arenas like that. This podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences. Join the Madison-based team working to lead earlier cancer detection. Visit exactsciences.com to view the company's hundreds of open jobs. And you talked to folks from a number of local community organizations. What did they say they're seeing as far as changes in their clients? Well, Sabrina said that she's seeing a real uptick in people coming out of the shadows with mental health issues. Urban League of Greater Madison CEO Ruben Anthony told me that he's seeing people who are coming out for employment assistance and job training help who previous to this would have been, you know, as he described it, like too proud to ask for that kind of help or come out and seek it. But now they are. And so those two things really stood out for me, hearing that from those folks. And Lisa Payton Care has been the recipient of a big grant from UW Credit Union with which she's started a relief fund for specifically Black women who and families who have had whatever emergency situation transpire from COVID, from, you know, help with rent to medical supplies, stuff like that. And you note in your story that it's not just that African-Americans are facing new anxieties, but that the places they might usually talk about those anxieties and get support, places like barbershops and churches, are closed now. How are people connecting and talking about their worries in this time? Yeah, places like the barbershop and, you know, gyms, basketball courts, places where a lot of Black men would go to decompress generally anyways, are shut down and those outlets are gone. And I think that one of the things that we're seeing is that people are are not having a place to really go talk about it. So Aaron Perry has started a virtual support group. Aaron Perry runs Rebalanced Life Wellness. And what I was talking with Dr. Alvin Thomas about was what happens in these support groups is that Black men finally have a place to sort of decompress and be unapologetically feeling however they're feeling. And feeling supported and listened to, and that that's been really positive and that they've had two dozen or so people in each one of these support groups that run on Saturdays. So these have been online? Yeah, they've been virtual. And people like Mandela Barnes, Mayor Satya Rhodes-Conway has been participants. They've had some guest speakers, but mostly it's just, you know, people being able to sort of let their hair down. And you spoke with a person named Haiti Orr, a UW-Madison graduate student who, along with her husband and kids, contracted COVID-19. What did she tell you, and what does her experience show us about how this pandemic is affecting mental well-being for African Americans? She told me that it started out with her kids being sick with flu-like and cold-like symptoms. They didn't really think anything of it. This was maybe, you know... March-ish. So things were going around for COVID, but it hadn't hit the way it sort of has since then. But then when she got sick, she realized, ooh, these symptoms are, are really bad. And so went into the doctor 
who diagnosed her with COVID-19 and said that, you know, since she has it, she can just assume that that's what her kids had as well. But, you know, it was really interesting, like, as a parent who was experiencing the fears and sort of dark hours of COVID, she didn't want that transferred onto her kids. And so she didn't even tell them that they had coronavirus because she didn't want them to be scared. And she certainly didn't tell them that she had it. And she really was positive, like emotionally throughout this. She was just super energetic and sort of confident that she was going to overcome this. She was doing every home remedy she could think of. She had people praying for her. She really sort of stayed above water emotionally throughout this. And she told me that made a huge, huge difference. Did she have any kind of recommendations for others or big takeaways? She said to just stay above sea level emotionally, to to not give up to... You know, all of those things that can sound sort of bumper sticker-ish, you know what I mean? But they were real things for her. You know, she said something to me that was kind of profound, where she was like, I knew that there was no point in me planning my own obituary. I needed to just get through this and stay positive. And that was her big message to other people. And from your reporting What lessons do you think we should take from this pandemic? Wow. I mean, for this specific story, I think that understanding that people, like everybody around us, is experiencing this and is having anxieties and mental health feelings and all kinds of things, but just also overall in the Black community, that these are issues that are dealt with differently. And Dr. Thomas and I spoke about that to to a large degree, where he was saying that in the Black community, you know, oftentimes mental health things or just emotional issues are dealt with, you know, within the family, within the community. But like everybody in the community knows that Nick has this issue, that Nick's depressed, that, you know, or whoever you want to say. And so everybody supports that person or understands that. And he was saying that in the white community, you know, oftentimes that's a very individualized experience that people have like with a therapist, but it isn't something that they could sort of come out of the shadows with. But he was saying that like black people also need that kind of professional support too not just within the community, and that in the aftermath of this, it'll be important for people to be able to have that to reach out to. But we'll see. Those things are expensive, and a lot of people don't have health insurance, all sorts of things that are systemic. And so in the aftermath of this, I would look for a big mental health crisis in terms of people decompressing And also how we're going to get the economy back that takes pressure off people in black and brown communities from having to be in these in these front line of coronavirus type jobs. Nick, thank you so much for talking to me about your story. 
Thanks so much, Natalie. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Nicholas Garten, who's always watching for important developments in Madison area communities. Tune in next week when I talk with local government reporter Abigail Becker. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to The Madsplainers on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever else you do your listening, and leave us a review while you're there. Also, be sure to check out our other podcasts, including The Corner Table, all about food and drink in Madison, and Wedge Issues, all about state politics. Until next time, thanks for listening. podcast has been brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colaguard. Once again, be sure to learn more at exactsciences.com.